Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rowing Chat. Rowing Chat today has two guests, which is delightful, from the Rowing Network, Matt Lira and Ron Batt. Guys, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about your background in rowing? Ron. Thanks, Rebecca. Uh, good morning, everybody, as it is here in Canberra, Australia. Um, I'm from the UK originally. I got involved in rowing through a community rowing program in the Midlands. Um, so I have quite a passion for participation programs. Um, I moved to Australia when I, um, having rowed at a pretty good level in the UK um, and, and chose to go into coaching and moved to Australia to further that. And through a number of, um, Good opportunities. I've run rowing clubs. I've worked for an institute over here, and I now work for Rowing Australia, running their coach education and participation programs. Matt. Yeah, my uh, my name is Matt Lair. I'm from uh, originally from the middle of the United States. Uh, it is afternoon here, so good afternoon, everybody uh, from here. Um, I'm the director of coaching education at uh, Community Rowing in Boston, the largest rowing club in the world. Uh, we have about 1,200 rowers every single day uh, and uh, have about 70 coaches on staff. Um, so my sort of background is I started at a university club program um, and had the good fortune of early realizing I didn't know what I was doing uh, and moved to Boston to try and figure it out a little bit uh, and feel a real passion around coaching education because I know that um, as I've continued to coach and, and was a young coach, it was what I was hungry for and didn't have access to the opportunities I wanted. So. Um, now my role is working with our coaches, uh, both on staff at CRI, uh, and we also have a one-year graduate fellowship program uh, as well that I work with. Fabulous. And obviously, as the representative from Row Perfect, uh, we at the Rowing Education website, where people come to us with the questions that they don't get answered from conventional coaching programs, or they can't find answers to online. And in the very many years that I've been running the Row Perfect blog, what constantly surprises me is the quality of things we get asked, which range from, hey, I have a 15-year-old child who won't stop eating, should I worry, uh, to how should I approach the catch? I got one this just this week. I get a rubbed raw tailbone every time I do long outings, you know, why does this happen and, and what's causing it and how can I remedy it? And these are the sort of questions that I characterize as the thing that if you were physically present in a club with a more experienced coach, you would stand on the riverbank with them and go, hey, I got this question, you know, could you help me with an answer? And, and the older, more experienced coach, of course, would always give you guidance. Unfortunately, nowadays, many people don't have that luxury. And also, we are learning to trust the internet to provide us with answers. And so I feel that the, the congruence of the three of us is hopefully part of the new way that people who are interested and passionate about our sport can go find out more about it. Now, you guys have launched something brand new called the Rowing Network. Matt, tell us what is it? Yeah, so it's a it's an online uh, platform for coaches to be able to get education where they are. Uh, one of the things that uh, 
developed for us out of all of our coach training. So our year long program and our sort of, as you described, a little more conventional sort of conference style and, and get together in small groups um, was that that was awesome. And it was really great for the people you could serve who had the money and the time and all of that to get there. Um, what it didn't really serve um, was those who either didn't have the opportunity um, or didn't have the, the resources to be able to make that happen on a regular basis. Um, and what we heard a lot from is, man, it would be great if we could get some sort of opportunity to get education where we are. Uh, and I think that that was our perspective coming at it, um, where we want to meet people where they are with sort of the best of knowledge um, and that it would be contributed by multiple sources. So there would be people from all over the globe sharing to build this sport we all love called rowing um, that really unites us. And, and rather than having rowing grow in pockets, um, really give it a way to grow in sort of a greater depth um, across the entire world. Okay, so let's back up from that future vision and learn a little bit more about your personal track records because you're both expert educators. Ron, you work for a national rowing federation and if I can presume, you have a reasonably traditional job description. Uh, what does your day-to-day -day job actually involve as a coach educator? Um, okay, very good question. Well, yesterday, for example, I was up at uh, the Sydney International Regatta Centre running illicit drugs programmes for um, our under-age national team, our junior under-21s and under-23 team um, before they go overseas. Um, we have an under-21 team because we race against the Kiwis in a little, um, well, quite a good little uh, regatta we have running here in New Zealand. Um, and I'm, I'm very much involved in um, dealing with the clubs and schools over here, as well as our state institutes who, um, the way it's structured in Australia, we have the state bodies are Rowing Australia's stakeholders, and we run coach education programs through, those, through them. Um, as you'll appreciate, we're a very big country. You know, last week I was over in Perth, the other side of the country, the other side of the world in some respects, but no, great, great place to go to. Um, but doing some work over there with a participation program we've got running in some schools. So I get to do a fair bit of travel um, and we've got some very exciting um, programs running which are funded, some by the government over here, um, um, to actually increase the number of people involved in the sport. Um, so I also spend a lot of time on the computer. <laughs> now when you are on the ground in a club, face yep. to face, the guys and girls who are coaching and the guys and girls who are learning what do you see is lacking well i think the the biggest challenge that, that yeah and as matt has already alluded is is that yeah there's there's a lot of really good learning that comes from working with another coach and that's what brought me to australia to actually work with a um olympic coach over here i got the opportunity to do so um, and the mentoring aspect, I think, is, is massive. And, and I think that's something that we can really do a lot more with. But actually giving people access to um, educative, you know, I find most coaches want to improve themselves. They, they want to make themselves better. And certainly they can work with people within their clubs and, and, that, and schools. That, that's, and it, that's certainly one way to learn. And it's a terrific way to learn. But there is also a thirst for knowledge outside of that. And we, you know, Matt and I, when we had these discussions about starting the TRN, both both felt the same way that you know that there's a lot of people out there that perhaps can't get to a a practical course, a face to face course. Um, so that that's why we went down this track of of trying to put something that's available to people at any time, at a time that suits them, wherever they are. 
Fabulous. Now, Matt, I'd like to back up also and talk a little bit about the history of community rowing. The largest rowing club in the world by membership sounds astonishing. And I'm sure that, Ron, there are more than 1,200 members of Leander, but none of them actually row. Um, <laughs> that was a nice joke. Um, Tell us about the vision for community rowing, because Boston, Massachusetts has a lovely river, which is reasonably safe, and on the upper reaches where your club is located, there are already very many town rowing clubs. Why was there a need for another one? Well, so it's, a, it's kind of an interesting story, and when you talk to our founders, many of whom are still involved, um, they say now, this is never what we thought it was going to be. Um, the mission for starting CRI was that um, on the Charles River, if you didn't go to a university that had a boat club or you didn't already know how to row, you had no access to the water. Um, so community rowing was started as a portal to the people of Boston to be able to access the water. Um, and, and that's really has sustained us through. So our mission is rowing for all. Um, and that's the biggest thing that we think about in, in all the decisions we make is, are we serving people? Uh, and one of the tricky things I think um, that's a little different for our club is um, there's not a special Susie or a special Sam. So it's not like they get what they want and then everybody else sort of picks up from there on. Um, one of the things that we really try and do is give everybody an opportunity to be successful. So if you're trying to qualify for the world championships, that obviously means something different is if you're at first day of learn to row um, or you're a novice scholar who's rowed for a few weeks or a few months, um, but we want everybody to be successful and, and we really want to value that equally. And the touch point for us on everything is coaches. Um, we believe really strongly in coach programs. So uh, apart from a very small subset of members who are captains tested and can row a single uh, or a double on their own, um, everybody who goes out every day from community rowing is coached. Uh, and so coaching is, is a thread that ties together everything we do. Um, and so that, that really for us is, is the place where if we can see a difference in making coaching better, um, we've seen a huge difference in what that's done in terms of the happiness and the number of our members. So a learn to row program, talk us through how long does it last and roughly what does it cost? And is there a difference between adults and children? Um, there's a little bit different uh, between adults and children only because of the structure. Um, adults, it's a little harder to get their attention span for a week at a time during the middle of the day. Um, so in the summer, a learn to row program for us is, uh, is two weeks long. So it's a two week camp structure. Um, they'll come for three hours a day, five days a week, and then the same thing again the next week. Um, and there'll be a progression from in rowing barges um, to rowing in uh, eights typically uh, with pontoons to rowing in eights without pontoons um, is sort of our progression. And the adults follow um, a very similar progression just at a two day a week model. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then obviously the, the hard part for folks is generally not the first step. It's the when you keep going, like what do you do with people after learn to row? And I think that's a big puzzle um, this that we've heard from a lot of clubs is what do you do next? Um, and so we have a bunch of different pathways that people can pursue after learn to row when they're all excited, full of enthusiasm, uh, and giving them a pathway to continue to get better. Talk a little bit about the common pathways that you offer and the ones that attract uh, your learn to row people to stick with the sport. Yeah. So um, to there's sort of a there's there's two sort of main I would say typical ways that people get involved. Um, there's sort of sculling and sweeping um, is where the dividing line. Uh, and we do have lots of people who do both, but generally you start in one track and sort of develop and then may hop over later. Um, and that's 
uh, progression from a, a bigger boat. So in for sculling, it's a, what we call a tubby single. So sort of a, a flat water or an open water single um, to sort of a, a B boat, which is in between a racing single and a tubby single, uh, and then a racing boat. And, and the progression is similar uh, in the sweep rowing from a barge to an eight or a four uh, into a more traditional racing shell. Uh, so that's sort of the, the normal progression. And the, the adults go for, uh, for two sessions a week uh, for three weeks and then uh, jump into sort of a regular class, uh, which is meeting uh, three days a week. And then the, uh, the kids uh, pretty much make that progression all the way through in the two-week time frame. And this two-week transition from learn to row, so with some regularity, how important is that keeping, I suppose, creating the habit of coming to the rowing club twice or three times a week? Yeah, that's really important, uh, and I think that that's one of the things, um, you know, we look at someone on their first day as part of our community. Um, there's not a trial period or a period where you have an approval. Like, we're, once you're in, you're in. Uh, if you've shown an interest, we want you to be a part of our community, and our community has a, a huge range of diversity in terms of uh, people who are very experienced and been running for a long time, people who have never experienced the sport and are starting, um, and that everybody understands that being a part of our club means that you're willing to embrace all aspects of that. Um, as well as as well as our reaching into communities that haven't traditionally found their own way to the water. Um, and that's really for us where we see a big part of our mission lying is drawing in those groups who maybe otherwise don't have an opportunity or even know that rowing is for them because typically that's the biggest problem with rowing is not that they don't love it once they start it, they just had no idea it was for them. Um, so we do a lot of uh, a lot of reaching out uh, military veterans. Um, we do a lot of work in the public school system. Um, we have 12,000 middle school kids. Uh, this year who will be on indoor rowing machines before they ever hit the water. Um, so there's a lot of pathways that we work to develop to really help people from the very beginning feel like they've got a connection um, to everybody else because if they're not on the water, you wouldn't know the skill level difference of most of our members um, because they just help each other and they, and they talk to each other. It's a, it's a very flat structure. So I've been in a lot of rowing clubs over my years in the sport and I have been in clubs that frankly could be described as dysfunctional. I've been in clubs that have been the most lovely, friendly environment ever. And I've been in clubs that have transitioned from one to the other. This community flat structure friendliness that you describe is obviously a fabulous attribute. How do you articulate it? How do you explain to people who are new to the club that this is the way we do things around here? Do you have it written down? Or is it just by osmosis people acquire that insight? So that's a great question. And I think um, I think it actually is really germane to how we got to working with, uh, with Ron and Rowing Australia on the Rowing Network. Um, so all of our coaches um, do a 40-hour uh, what is called CRI coach certification process, which is 20 hours of online coursework uh, and 20 hours in the classroom together. There's actually um, the summer session is happening this week and there are 39 coaches um, who are all going through this common experience together who are all new to CRI. Um, some of them have been coaching for 40 years, literally 40 years, and some of them have been coaching for like four days. Uh, so it's a real diversity in community and because coaches are the touch point for us, um, they're the primary place where people experience the club uh, because they're the ones who they're talking the most with, um, along with people they're with. So, so there is a real uh, shepherding along uh, of the sort of what it means to be a member of CRI. Um, there's not a formal education process um, that everybody goes through. There is a, a rower sort of 
uh, it's similar. It's similar to our coach certification in, in a modified format, a, a rower onboarding. Um, because one of the things that's really disarming for people when they come in is they don't know where stuff is and they're really afraid to ask. Um, and so really sort of giving them that knowledge. Um, and then we talk a lot about what's it like to be kind to other people and that that is something that is written into all of our programs that are coached, um, which again is the vast majority of our membership, um, that the stewardship and the helping others in your community is part of the rowing experience because the things that bond rowers are cooperation, uh, collaboration uh, to make boats go fast, right? All of that spills over into the things that happen off the water, um, helping others, uh, delayed gratification, all of those things make a great community and a great sport. I really, really love what you've just described because one of the things that I hear over and over again when I am talking to athletes from different parts of the world and when I have had the opportunities personally to visit clubs in other parts of the world is that people say that rowing is very different than other sports and this cooperation and collaboration attitude has spread throughout our sport by osmosis but the fact that you are encapsulating it and teaching it and telling people how to expect it sounds more positive than I could have believed. Ron, do you see the same thing in Australia? Well, I think it's certainly occurring in parks in Australia and I mean we, we've you know um, as an example we, we've got yeah I think the sport of rowing um, is has always been a bit of a sort of white middle class sport in my experience um, and one of the things that I found really exciting when I when I visited Matt earlier on this year was to see you know the great things they are doing there which I totally endorse what he's just said it's it, it is really impressive um, but over here we've got we've got a school program for example where um, we're getting more and more kids from different backgrounds getting involved and you know, there's one down in Footscray in, in Melbourne where the Sudanese kids are, are rowing. We've got uh, a wonderful program up in uh, St. Lucia, up in Brisbane, where the school, through giving them some state funding, um, the Springwood State High School is now a rowing school, and it, it's in a very low socioeconomic area, part of Brisbane. And again, they've got kids from Somalia, Sudan, PNG, all sorts of ethnic backgrounds, they're, um, they're getting down there at five o'clock in the morning to get the school bus to take them to rowing, you know, and it's not easy for the parents to get them there at five o'clock in the morning. You know, it's not, it's not getting the Audi deer and we'll drive you down there. It's quite the opposite. Um, and that, that, that is now actually set up as a, as a rowing school, which is, a, and, and they actually won their first medal a couple of weeks ago at a regatta. And it's just such a win-win for the sport to see kids thriving Um and really enjoying it, and and their even their rate of uh, absenteeism from school since they've been involved in the sport has, has plummeted. It's dropped dramatically. The school's happy, the kids are happy, and the rowing club that they're rowing out rowing out of is very happy. So it's again, it's a win-win for everybody. And these are the sort of things which I, you know, those are the things that really push my buttons when you when you see this much more inclusivity in, in the sport um, and giving the opportunity to try this sport that we all love to a lot more people. You know, we, we did some research a couple of years ago over here with the general Australian public, and we've and one of the some of the feedback we got was that people didn't know how to start to row. There were there were a number of people that wanted to row, but they didn't actually know how do I go about it. I thought everybody, yeah. Anyway, and yeah, some of them are frightened of going into a rowing club by themselves. Um, it's very 
Yeah, and I had a, a question into the Row Perfect um, website through our Facebook group recently with someone saying, hey, I live in Scotland in the UK and I'm keen to learn to row. Uh, how do I go about it? And so I forwarded this question to the head of British Rowing and the communications person. And I wrote back directly to the person who'd asked the question and said, yeah, here is the website and it has a section called find a rowing club, yep. um, you know. And I then was frustrated because the person at the National Federation didn't reply to the questioner. They passed the question over to someone in the Scottish Rowing Association who replied to me. And mm. I ended up feeling like I was a postbox. And they failed to understand that replying promptly is one way to keep people's enthusiasm when recruiting. Yes. And oh, giving them, you know, here is not just here's the page on the website. These are the color codings that indicate clubs that offer Learn to Row programs. You know, and that level of handholding and ensuring a follow-up that says, hey, did you get the information? Maybe going to the club to find out where she lives. You know, and it takes that much, in my experience, to get someone to agree to turn up at a pre-agreed date to yep. possibly start learning to row. And there was just a complete mismatch in their understanding of the reality on the ground. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's well, sad to hear a story like that. I think, and I'd add to what Ron said, is, you know, the efforts that they're doing there are I think what that, which is trying to get people who otherwise don't even know that rowing is for them to see that opportunity. And then there's the other part of serving the people who know that they want to do rowing. How do we make that pathway really clear? Uh, and I think that there's a, there's a clear part of that that is a stuff, like how do you set up the paradigm right? Um, but then once they come, what is their experience like? And that's where I think coaches really come in. Um, and this is where coaches need the knowledge of, they're going to have options, right? They could do many other things. Why are they going to stick to doing rowing? Because it's so compelling. How do we make that so? Ron? I, Ron appears to have frozen. Looks like he's gone offline. I'm sure he'll figure out how to get back to us. So, Matt, I, I really, really appreciate your clarity on this. Um, it's, I think, a little understood part of the sport and the theory, educational theory, is something that your work broadening people's understanding is really, really valuable. Let's talk now a little bit more about the rowing network that you've just launched. Would you like to give us a quick guided tour of your website? Yeah, absolutely, I'd love to. Okay, let me, uh, let me do the mechanics of, uh, of doing the screen share here. Um, okay, so uh, we should hopefully see, is, is this, this is true, Rebecca, you can tell me it's true, um, on the website. Can you see the, the Rowing Network page? I can. So the website is therowingnetwork.org. That is correct, yeah. So um, the, the rowingnetwork.org um, is, uh, is a page right now that is um, uh, basically built around what you can see right here in the middle, which is better coaching equals more happier and faster rowers. Um, and the reason we sort of coalesced around that statement 
um, is there's multiple goals as to what you might want uh, in terms of uh, end point of your coaching. You may want more people in the club. You may want the people you have to be happier, or you may want the people you have to be all of the above and faster, or just faster. Um, I mean, usually if there's if they're happier, they're faster too. Uh, those usually aren't mutually exclusive. Um, but I think that you know, really, there's a wide range of coaches, and and um, in the U.S. in in rowing, um, we typically see a, a turnover of a little less than a third of the coaches. Um, every year because a lot of the coaching is part-time and or volunteer um, and a lot of those coaches as you sort of talked about earlier don't necessarily have access to the level of experienced coach who they can just sort of elbow in against Riverbank and say hey I don't understand this where can I go to learn this um, you know they're, they're sort of in this oh you assume you know what's going on and you sort of play along when maybe you really don't uh, and don't have the opportunities to get at that knowledge so um, so that's really sort of where we started uh, with the rowing network um, and have some courses under construction. Um, but this is what the website looks like. And the other thing I, I'd like everybody to see is sort of down here at the bottom of the page, there's a suggest a course. Um, so courses that people would like to see, that's uh, one way that, that we'd like it to be a dialogue as opposed to uh, a one-way conversation. Um, we're certainly going to be, there's a lot of work into producing a course, uh, wanting to know what people want. And we've heard from quite a lot of people already um, with some good suggestions, but also um, underneath that is a join the mailing list too, um, which is people who want to find out when uh, we start to release courses, what those, what those look like. And the current courses are right here in the middle um, that we're, we're offering the level one course, uh, which Ron has put on through Rowing Australia, which is an accreditation course. Um, and then the indoor rowing, indoor rowing course and the What Athletes Want course. Um, those are the two courses that are the next to be upcoming uh, in terms of uh, ability for people to register. Fabulous. Thank you very much. And obviously, listeners, please go and register yourself on the website. Ron, would you like to give us a quick guided tour of the course that you already have live online? Thank, thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so... We um, decided to put our level one coaching course entirely online. What does uh, level one mean? Is this the very first okay, course so, in us? Correct. Yeah, that's our, that's our first course, yeah. Um, so this, now hopefully you've got this up on your, you can see this now? We do. Good. Okay, so... This is, again, we, we, we did this through um, working with the University of Queensland, and this is the home page. There are four modules um, in, in the course. The, this course is, is basically set up for the beginner coach. Um, so there's the blurb over um, explaining what, a bit about welcoming you to the course, and then there are four modules. Now, um, I won't take you through all four modules, but as you can see, just see here the titles. Um, hopefully you've seen the highlight. The beginner coach is module one. Coaching the beginner is module two. Teaching basic technique is three. And coach's obligations is module four. Um, we'll go to the, I think I'll take you through to the basic technique just to give you a, a brief look at what's involved in the um, teaching basic technique course. Um, one of the things we've done here, we've got quite a lot of um, pictures as well as, as video clips. Um, and over here we have some of our elite coaches just giving a up to a one-minute 
um, idea or, or concept for a beginner coach to think about. And I think, yeah, I think there's 11 or 12 of our elite coaches, these little video clips, which they're, val they're very valuable in themselves, I believe. They're, those comments by themselves are very valuable. Um, we have the coaching tips just over here, highlighted there, which you can see. Um, flicking through, it's pretty clear to go from one page to another. Um, and here, here we talk about the posture, a very important topic. Um, <coughs> excuse me. There are plenty of pages to flick through, but I'll just come to a bit where I can show you a bit of videos. Probably um, be quite useful to see the all important catch, of course. Um, actually, um, Rebecca, we got time just to play a, a quick thirty-second clip. Sure. Okay, so this is Chris O'Brien, who's one of the um, very successful Australian coaches. Just just to give you an idea of some of the comments that some of these elite coaches have put out for the developing coach. So this will. Um, it's not playing in a moment. I'm afraid the audio isn't coming through, Ron. It's not coming through? Sorry, Rebecca, not coming through? Try again. Okay, no, maybe it won't work. I don't know, because it's got to go through YouTube. Not coming? It, no? It's just not loud enough, I'm afraid, for broadcast. No. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, anyway, the, the clips are there, and, and they're, they're, I think they're an important part of, of the course. Um, I don't know then that when I come to show the bit of video clip I wanted to show you whether that's going to work. Um, if you, we can sure. share the link if it's a public YouTube video. I can put it in the show notes. Yeah, no, we won't. I don't think we'll be able to because the way it's set up, it's through the UQ portal, um, and that might not be well. That won't be a public link, so we might not be able to do that. But um, the point is, there are sort of I think I say there's eleven or twelve of our elite coaches just just giving little snapshots, which are a bonus, if you like, to the course um, of, of good things to work on. Um, here we're looking at the release of the stroke. Um, Again, just trying to keep it all fairly simple dot points for, you know, for a beginner coach to, to be looking at. And I think by having the visuals, it gives you um, uh, the, the photographs, something to, to make sure that you can, can see in, in your rowers. And, uh, and this is one of the issues that I think um, I always have with a practical face-to-face -face course, that if you don't really understand what's just being said, are you going to be prepared to put your hand up and ask a question of the presenter and say, uh, can you just run through that again? Or are you going to feel a little bit self-conscious? Whereas with an online course, if you don't get it, you can just play the video back or you can just keep looking at the picture and rereading it until you do get it. Um, which I think is one of the real bonuses of, of online education for this. Um, so again, I was hoping to show you these rowing confidence drills, but I, I, I'm assuming this isn't going to work either. Um, we are up. Is that coming through, Rebecca, or not? Just play the video. You can commentate over the top. We can see it, though. Okay. 
Okay, you can see it playing. Okay, well, just talking about the knuckles, yeah, not not having any white knuckles. Yeah, the grips nice and relaxed, fully squared blades. And you're looking here about where the knuckle on the the middle knuckle on the hand is. It should be the furthest thing away from the body. So that's something tangible for the coach to be looking for. Left hand always leading away, staying slightly ahead of the right hand at the crossovers. The the knuckle to the right wrist, just of the right hand, just um, skimming the crook of the left wrist. So this this continues. So I won't um, keep going with it for too long. But but this continues through a number of different drills that an athlete can use, and it's. As I say, there's a number of different um, drills that uh, this is Reese Grant, who was our Olympic scholar last year. He did a great job finishing ninth. Um, and he just runs through a whole raft of different skills, which are, are good drills, sorry, for new, well, for any scholar to be doing, but for, you know, give the, the new coach an idea of some of the drills that they can run through. But, uh, so I think, you know, things like the video. You know that's that that for example is just just under six and a half minute video um but the information captured in there is is really valuable for for anybody to be using and and the great thing with this course is you can go back to it and visit it as many times as you like and and that's one of the you know big things that matt and i were one of the reasons we're so keen on coach online education is that it does give you an opportunity to keep going back to the course to, to revisit them um so here we're just um, continuing with the basic rowing drills, you know, some talk about, <coughs> excuse me, variable length of the stroke, slide checks, catch exercises and release drills. So again, giving you some tangible things you can go and use as a coach if you're new to the sport and, you, and you're not aware of, of all these different drills and exercises. At, and then at the end, you've got the, the quiz. So this this continues through each each module. There are quizzes. Um, this is module four, coach obligations. It's the home page for it on the first page. Back to module two, coaching the beginner. At the beginning, it always tells you what you should know at the end of that module, and you'll be quizzed on that in a multiple choice quiz. And um, going back to the very first one, the beginner coach module one. Um, we. The time it takes to go through the course is obviously going to depend on on how um, where you're starting from, I suppose. Um, some have done, you know, it has to, it can take four hours. Um, there's quite a lot, there is an awful lot of content there, but um, yeah, people have done it quicker than that as well. So, um, okay, I think I've stopped sharing that. So we back to um, good. Okay, so that gives you an idea of what the what the course looks like. It's it's been put together, as I say, with UQ, which was really helpful because I went there with all the all the ideas, all the knowledge. But th their core business is putting courses online. So yeah, that's what they do day to day. The University of Queensland. It's a very well respected university over here. It's in the world's top sixty universities, I believe. And they were very helpful in saying, well, yeah, that's good, but we probably need to do it tweak it a bit like this to make it the most beneficial for people learning. And um, they're working with us on, on TRN as well. So it's a really good synergy between 
ourselves, CRI and UQ. And um, I, I think it's really exciting where it's going to head. And how many people have done this course already? Um, we've got just over 600, uh, sorry, just over 700 registered, of which 500, I'm not sure exactly, it's 550 odd have completed the course. Um, and what's been very, it's, oh, it's been very encouraging, you know, the feedback, because there's a little um, at the end of it asking people for feedback on the course. And the vast majority are, are rating it as excellent or very good, you know, sorry, good or excellent. Um, so we're very, very happy with the feedback. But, um, yeah, it's good. So what does this course cost? It's just $180, uh, Australian dollars. Um, and that's, as I say, that actually gains you the level one accreditation, which is our starting coaching accreditation over here. And it also includes, I should point out, there's also a Australian Sports Commission have a short online course, which is Community Coaching General Principles course, which is part of this course, which is, it's you don't have to pay to do that, but there's effectively two courses. <laughs> so there's a bit of work to do. That's fabulous. So you're taking good best practice from across all sports and putting it into the context of a water sport. Yes, yes. Matt, why did community rowing get into coach education in the first place? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, we needed it uh, a lot. Uh, we had a lot of people rowing, and I think like most places, um, we had a lot of uh, sort of variable skills across our coaches. So uh, because coaching has always been an apprenticeship, uh, and it's sort of as Ron talked about earlier, that, that mentor relationship um, is always going to be critically important to that. And, and what's not going to get replaced is that relationship. Um, but hopefully what we will be able to change is adding to that. And, that. and that's sort of how we ended up there. We started there because we knew we needed it. Um, and it was really interesting, sort of our process to get into coaching education. Um, we started doing uh, surveys, feedback surveys from our athletes. So um, at Community Rowing, we have athletes who set their first day in the boat, um, kids, adults, all of that stuff. But we also have um, people who have won medals at the Paralympics, uh, at the World Championships uh, over multiple years. So the interesting thing is after doing 4,000 and some odd surveys, um, we found that everybody kind of wants the same thing, um, and it all ends up back at coaches. Um, so we sort of did a very interesting pivot. We said, okay, well, we're kind of like Ron. We're going to go into the deep end. Uh, and he went you know, straight to producing a whole accreditation course. Uh, we went all the way in and said, well, we're going to have people who are going to make this their livelihood uh, for the rest of their lives. We're going to teach them for a year. So we jumped way into the deep end, and we have a, a group of coaching fellows who spend a year with us. Um, and so that, that's, this is actually their orientation week for our class of 2018. Uh, and these are people who rowing has changed their life and they want to share that and coaching is the way they're going to do that. Um, and this is our, our sixth class of fellows that's coming in. Um, and so we started there and then realized, well, what we really needed was to sort of back that off a little bit um, because we had many coaches who were on staff who weren't part of that sort of eight to 10 person group fellowship program. Um, and that's when we built the CRI coach certification, um, which all of our coaches uh, on staff at CRI go through. Um, in addition to our coaching conference and, and the monthly symposiums um, that we run. And, you know, the biggest thing that, that all the educational literature says, which is not necessarily related to coaching, but is very applicable, is that you have to do it all the time. If you go to one coaching conference a year, you're not learning. You're really not learning. 
you're just doing something where you get some tips to put in your bag and you can pull those out when you fancy it. But you're not actually really developing knowledge. Um, and, and the access piece, this is where access comes in. If you're lucky enough to have someone and the time and the right place and all of the things in your favor, you can probably find that to go very well. Um, that is an unlikely constellation uh, for most people and, and you really need resources that you can go to um, and ask questions of and interact um, and, and really have an experience where you can gain that knowledge. So, so that's how we sort of where we started and ended up um, sort of where we are at this current point, which is um, we know that one size doesn't fit all. Um, so we have a variety of things that we do um, to serve different groups. And not everybody is obliged as part of their contract with you to do all of these. But generally, where do you find the most take up from your cohort of, you must have so many coaches. How many coaches have you got? 40? 50? Uh, we have 40 in, in, uh, in CRI coach certification. There's about, in the summer's our high point. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere between 70 and 80 um, mm. at this current moment when we're at our sort of highest volume during the summer. And, and what is the thing that they you get the most take up from, from this ongoing learning program that you offer? <coughs> Well, I, I think I think before anything else, you get the relationship with lifelong learning. I mean, I think that when you look at success, um, and this is not coaching specific and certainly not rowing specific, the the people who are most successful in their jobs, who are the ones who are still inquisitive and learning all the time, um, and particularly in coaches, the best coaches, if you talk to the best coaches, they always say, oh my gosh, I don't know this, I don't know that. Like They're always looking for more knowledge. Um, so I think helping people engage and understand that um, no one is surprised when professional athletes or Olympic rowers continue to practice all the time. Uh, but I think as adults who have jobs, you think of your job a lot less about practicing and more about doing. Um, so I think there's a cultural piece that's really um, that we try and ingrain in, in terms of that you're going to continue to learn. And then that's not that's not one thing that's going to teach you everything. It's not only a book. It's not only an online course. It's not only going to a conference. It's not only having beers with your fellow coaches and talking about problems that you're having, right? It's all of those things, and they all will play a different role, uh, but if you're only accessing a small part of that or you don't have access at all, you know, we're very rich in Boston that, like, people kind of know what rowing is. Like, they might think you have paddles, um, and they might think you're in a kayak, um, but they know that rowing exists. Um, there's so many places in our own country and, and not too far out of Boston. Uh, certainly where I grew up, I had never heard of rowing until I went to university. I literally had never heard of it. Like I had no idea that there was a thing that happened that was rowing. Um, and that is a relatively typical experience. Um, and I think that once we found that um, we had a gateway to, to have a, a dialogue about what do we want our community of, uh, to be as an overall community, but what do we want our community of coaches to be, that lifelong learning model in, in all of its various aspects really came through. That's fantastic. And obviously you're getting energetic take up from your cohort of coaches and from the people who coach with you for a while and then presumably move on to other positions in other places, they're taking your message out. Yep, yeah, and, and that's the hope, right? Like, it, it's, not a, it's not a we want to keep every, our specific stated goal of our fellowship program, um, our year-long fellows, is that they come and they spend a year with us and then they, they go. Um, certainly some of them stay uh, and we, you know, but we're really happy for, for that to go to know that there are people who have, trained to be rowing coaches, which is weird, but like that doesn't actually happen in any sport anywhere. Like people don't train to be 
basketball coaches or uh, our soccer year football, right? Like people don't train to specifically do that job. And that's really the training you need to do your job well. Like we have a biomechanics course and, and we don't talk about running economy because rowing coaches don't need to know about running economy. Like it's not important, but if you're not getting specific education, how are you going to be really great at your sport? You know, 75 or 80% of it is the same across sports, um, whether it be communication or the, what happens to your body and the physiology piece. Um, but that last 25 or 20% um, that's sport specific is actually where the whole the whole sauce is the whole sauce is in that last 20%. Um, and so being really specific about not only what is that look like, but how do you actually do that um, is super, super important. Um, and, and that's the thing that I think is not that's rowing is actually leading the way in, in this, as opposed to behind, um, behind a, a bunch of other sports. So Ron, you with the perhaps slightly more conventional job working for a, a federation, what do you see the future of a coach educator's job such as your own? Well, I think you know, um, we, <coughs> excuse me, to me, a, a major part of it is, is using all the resources that are available to offer the best information to as many coaches as possible. Um, I'm very keen that we grow the sport. Um, I want to make the current coaches we've got um, better. Um, and I, I want to encourage as many others to come into the sport as possible. So it's really how we can how we can do that. Now, I think most most coach education areas are um, not the um, highest funded area in in a sport. You know, the high performance end is usually where the money is. Um, but if we can find ways to to spread the knowledge we have among the coaches as many coaches as possible better um that could only be for the benefit of the sport and and you know get more people involved in the sport yeah i think okay so let's talk sorry. practical let's talk practical things how can what are the ways to spread the knowledge some well i think online, i think you know online online education is is a great way to spread the knowledge you know, because everybody's got a computer, you can you can go to TRN on your phone, you know, it, on your on your on your phone on your iPad. Um, <clears throat> so I think I think you know making use of um, our relationship with the University of Queensland is only going to get better. They they are already in the learning area. Um, that that's their core business, which is part part of the reason that Rowing Australia linked with them in the first place. You know, so that that's exactly what we're trying to do: find better ways. You know, and and they are, um, and piggy bank, piggy back off people who are doing a really good job of it. Um, so I think you know, to me at the moment, we're very much focused on the online side, um, and and working with a an educational body to to further um education out there the other thing is you know over here in australia we i do a lot of work with other sports um participation and education managers and and learning and working with them and seeing what they're doing and seeing if if we can help them and they can help us with with things so there's some stuff i'm doing at the moment um i probably don't want to talk too much about it because it's very early days but there's another sport uh, a significant sport i'm talking to in australia about what they're doing in um in the school sport area um to do with aligning with the 
actual education uh, actually aligning a sport with with a, a uh, with their with the school education and and that's that could be quite an interesting little one down the track um, but I, I won't get into too much detail about that because that's yeah that, that's still very early days that sounds fascinating tantalizing well, we can do a lot more in schools there's a, there's an opportunity in the schools you know with sports there really is if if we can engage there i think you know um certainly as a britain and i now live in new zealand which is a sport mad country it is very clear here that schools and their attitudes to sport couldn't be more different than the country that i used to live in so here every schoolgirl plays netball just without question and they'll play it in a team on a saturday not just in class on a wednesday afternoon and for a lot of the um people who migrate here from other parts of the world where they are let's say lower income places and in new zealand this is often the pacific islands of fiji and tonga and samoa for them, they see sport as a route out of poverty. That if your child can get good and become a professional rugby player, if they can become a professional netball player, if they can become a professional cricketer, although the Fijians are, are more into the cricket than the others, they see this as not just education, but livelihood and success for the entire family group. And I might be sounding terribly patronizing about it, but it is genuine and it is celebrated on the nightly news that yep. sporting success is an integral part of the cultural identity of the entire country um we're a bit mad about the america's cup right now um, and did that have an Aus australian skipper i think was it australian skipper sorry yes <laughs> well he got beaten got i think who got beaten that sorry who lost i i you guys are cutting out i'm, I'm having trouble <laughs> hearing you all of a sudden <laughs> it's all but, international and we're all good friends so there was but, there was good respect i think once the finish line was crossed <laughs> excuse me but you know if, if we can actually engage schools through aligning sport into their curriculum in some way or another is that another opportunity for the sport for sure uh, I mean, if, if I look at the city that I live in, which has a pretty good distribution of available rowing clubs in four separate locations there, sort of bunched around places where it's easy to access the water, there are actually very few that offer a learn to row program, an embarrassingly few number. And I can instantly see, having heard the advice that you two have offered today, the opportunities for the city where I live. Well, I think the thing that I would add to Rebecca is that, and we've seen this um, in working with the Boston Public Schools and now working in surrounding areas, is that um, you know rowers think uh, generally of everything has to lead to the water, um, and I think that that is certainly something that needs to happen. Uh, but most importantly, um, that indoor rowing is actually a pathway in and of itself. And that may lead people to the water or it may not. Um, and I think that uh, Ron is smiling. I can see him over there because we've had this conversation about, um, you know, that ro that rowers generally tend to want to ruin indoor rowing. And if you put a kid on an indoor rowing machine, it's awesome. You 
pull on the thing and it's like a video game and the numbers go and it's like your mates cheer you on and then it's, you know, you're done after a minute and you're really tired and then your mate does it and you cheer them on. And, it, and it's a really, and it's an amazing experience that I think rowers have a, a pre-existing condition of what the ergo is. Um, and, and we've really found that, you know, that touch point is actually one where you can provide an access pathway where you eliminate a lot of things that make growing hard um, and certainly don't prohibit them. Uh, in fact, you encourage them to then get down to the water, um, but it's a way to expose our sport um, that we haven't done before. And I know that, um, you know, sort of tailing it back to TRN a little bit, I know that's one of the reasons why having one of those initial courses on indoor rowing um, is so important because it's a, it's a part of our sport um, that we want to wrap our arms around and say, let's celebrate it rather than uh, talk about it in, in the way that rowers tend to, which is it's something that I have to do when I can't uh, do the thing I really want to do. And of course, the advantage is you can take the sport to the school. You can put yeah. indoor rowers in the back of the park and the kids don't have to travel. So as long as they have enough space to lay them out, you can do it anywhere. And and I would I'd also suggest, is there an opportunity there for us to um, increase our workforce dramatically. Can we, by aligning indoor rowing, um, sorry, by, by using indoor rowing, can we get more kids involved? Yes, we can. Can we get a bigger workforce? Well, potentially. Could we, for example, if we have some indoor rowing education that's aligned to the school curriculum, is there a chance of getting teachers to start delivering indoor rowing? It, and it's not what? You know, the well, machine yeah. is easy to understand. And as you've said, you've shown us kindly your on-rowing coaching materials. I'm sure that the indoor rowing coaching materials will be just as clear and easy to follow. And you don't have to teach teaching to a teacher. They already yeah. understand the principles of how to impart knowledge and learning and how to enthuse a class to participate. And there's lots of games you can play on the indoor row machine. There's also, you know, you've got calories, watts and things where you can play around with those from a point of view, an educational point of view. Um, there's, there's lots, you know, and there's angles, you know, you can look at angles that people, you know, their knees are at and so on. There's, there's, there's a lot of, lot of different um, aspects to it that um, could be a marvellous opportunity for the sport to really grow the sport. And as and Matt, Matt and I had, had this um, good discussion about it, you know, we would love it to be in the future that when people say to you, oh, you're a rower, oh yeah, indoor or on water or both. You know, not, not just on water. I mean, the on water is always going to be the biggest part, but the indoor is a massive opportunity for the whole sport to grasp. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're very keen on that, that aspect, both of us. Um, and you've got, a few, you've got a few machines up there at uh, CRI, haven't you, Matt? <laughs> yeah we've got uh we've got we've got a few uh it's um yeah. you know it's uh, it's one of those things i think we could probably go uh tick over another hour just talking about um sort of what we do and uh how we're all united around this passion uh, of, of really opening up the access to the sport because guess what we have the sport that burns more calories per minute than literally any other human activity like and rowers are really bad about saying how great our sport is because that's part of the culture of rowing uh, is that you're you're not sort of standing on your soapbox and talking about how great it is, but I think we need to be more forthright um, in saying that we do have this this special thing that has all these great values. Oh, but by the way, if you want to lose weight, find community, and get fit, it's literally the best thing you can possibly do for your body, um, and anybody can do it because it's not impact. You can do it if you need special adaptions to the area. I mean, there's just like a, here I am getting all fired up about this. 
Um, but it's it's just it's such a great pathway um, that we can really provide access to, and and then you know, and then look at what our sport is, right? We're at a very different place. Um, if people ask the question, "Are you an indoor rower, an outdoor rower, or both?" Um, as opposed to saying uh, only indoor or only indoor is something I don't even consider part of our sport, it really we've got to embrace it. Fabulous guys, thank you both for your time and your energies and your fantastic insights into some of the futures that uh, we can now offer to a wide range of people who are listening. Would you please Thanks. let the listeners know where they can connect with you, how they can get in touch? Matt. Uh, yeah, so um, I think the primary place is through our website, communityrowing.org. Uh, uh, my email, and I am happy to chat with people, is uh, matt, M-A-T-T dot lair, L-E-H-R-E-R, -E -E at communityrowing.org. Um, and please go visit uh, the rowingnetwork.org. Um, sign up for the mailing list. Uh, make some course suggestions. We would love to hear from folks. Um, so those would be the, the ways I would, would encourage people to reach out. Ron. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, so my, you can go to the Rowing Australia website. I think my contact details are there under development or participation. Um, or my email is rbat, that's as in cricket bat, but with two Ts, at rowingaustralia.com.au. Um, Fantastic. And, uh, thanks very much. And again, feel free to it's email me. It's been fantastic, and uh, maybe we should make a future date to uh, talk about evangelizing the sport for everybody. But for now, that's been Rowing Chat with me, Rebecca, from Row Perfect. And if you have any questions or suggestions for future interviewees for this ongoing series, please get in touch with me. I am becky at rowperfect.co.uk, or you can tweet us at rowperfect or find rowperfect.uk on Facebook. Please leave a review for Row Perfect in iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast listening platform because it really helps us to spread the word and obviously to encourage people to find the rowing network as well. Till next time, goodbye.